Welcome back to Fleshing It Out with Samantha Spittle. This week's guest is Ed Johnson, an executive leadership coach who specializes in helping leaders who are in the middle of transitions or who want to level up. They've got those blind spots, but they're not sure what they are. And so what I loved about chatting with Ed is that we really dove into why he has the heart that he has, that servant's heart that really wants to walk beside people and help them achieve success. Um, You know, he is a business coach, um, but I think that because he has has that heart for wanting people to, to really live a fulfilled life. He gives great insight. And so join us as we go through some of his life and how it led him to where he is today and how if we keep moving forward, despite either circumstances or choices we've made, many good things can come from it. So join Ed and I as we flesh it out. Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Knoxville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Welcome back to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. I'm here with my guest, Ed Johnson. Welcome, Ed. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Ed is an executive level leadership coach and organization development consultant with over 10 years of experience in guiding leaders and directing organizational change. And so I'm excited to have Ed here today because he has a very experienced past, as you heard, with uh, guiding leaders, um, but also just really investing in people. And so uh, I know, Ed, that you have great insight both professionally and personally. So thank you for, for being willing to share today. Well, thank you. I, I feel no uh, no sense of pressure at all now. Perfect. Perfect. That's how I like to go into all of my yeah. <laughs> um, Ed, tell everyone a little bit more about you besides your leadership background. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my name is Ed Johnson. Um, I am married uh, to my partner, uh, Alicia, Alicia Bryant. Uh, we are a blended family. We have five children, all boys. Uh, ranging right now between the ages of eight and 14. Um, so the blessed curse of the situation is um, we have time with them, which is wonderful. Um, the hard part is we have seasons where it's just the two of us, um, which sucks because we don't have the kids, but it also nice because uh, it's just the two of us. So trying to manage and discover that norm has been a lot of fun over the last few years. I think uh, over the years, I served as a pastor for 11, 12 years in a major denomination here in the U.S. Um, and then a transition from that, uh, quite a journey transitioning out of that and finding uh, where I believed um, that God was going to be able to use me and how I might impact others' lives on the other side of that. So That's great. I also liked how you said you've had a lot of fun figuring that out. That's a great spin on like, <laughs> that's a good way to kind of show the the level of uh, heaviness and difficulty, but putting that positive spin on it. So a lot. Um, And I do, you know, you mentioned you were a pastor background. Something I've noticed in your leadership coaching is that you have a servant's heart. And I think that definitely is evident from your background as being a pastor, um, working with your, your, what would you call them? Your clients? through mm-hmm. leadership, and also just as a friend. I think having that servant's heart is a big part of who you are and what kind of insight you can bring to people. So, Oh, um, thanks. That's, uh, that means a lot. I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. So part of, you know, fleshing it out, it's so much about bringing the internal thoughts to the external. And that's something that I know you and I have talked about in the past that, you know, depending on where you're at in your phase of life, sometimes you share, you're used to sharing a lot and then seasons change and you go back to not sharing. And so you're kind of entering a new phase of sharing more, being a coach, traveling around, um, working with so many different organizations, you know, the way to connect with your clients is to share more personally. So as you start to transition back into this next phase of life, what do you feel like are some aha moments or some lessons learned, I guess you could say, over your past that you feel you can bring to the table, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'll I'll tell you something that um, Alicia and I have talked about and that I've kind of done in my reflection. Um, So when I was a um, pastor, obviously I was younger than I am now. And um, 
I had a blast, had a good time doing a lot of significant things. And I would have folks that would end up in my office um, sharing different things with me. Um, you can imagine, I mean, uh, deaths, um, challenges with marriages, other relationships, um, folks trying to work through job situations, folks trying to figure out faith and how it connects with life. Um, I've had homeless folks in my office before, which was a lot of fun and, and talking about how to like police themselves. And I mean, just all sorts of really, really neat and fun things that I've actually been thinking about a lot in the last 24 hours that I hadn't thought about in a long time. But one of the things, and I think this ties into my own personal experience when I was a pastor years before, I feel like I was able to offer empathy to folks when they would come and talk to me um, as much as one could with the experiences of life that I'd had and experiences of life the others had had. And I didn't know this at the time, but in reflection, I realized like I could extend empathy to folks, but I in some way had to, in my mind, justify their situation. Like, mm. in or, which is weird to say, and I don't like saying it now. Um, and I don't think it was, I just think I didn't know any better back then. I, right? I definitely want to explore this more because I think if someone just heard that, we need to repeat it, number one. But I think that I can totally relate to that because, so before we go back real quick, is that as a pastor, especially as a pastor, but I think all of us are have the opportunity to do this, which is when someone shares their heart with you, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, if someone's taking the time to come to you as a pastor, they're totally bearing themselves to you or they're trying to. And that the best thing we can give someone when they bear themselves to you is empathy and compassion. And so even if I think that, so what I want to start, what I want to dig into a little bit right there was that how you got to that empathy, because I think that's a similar, I can relate to that. And I think that, um, so one, just to kind of make sure we point out that giving that empathy and compassion to people, even if that's how you got to it at the time, um, but that's that next level growth that I think is really important. So, yeah. So, yeah. So like I, you know, I would have to, I'd hear someone's story, right. And that was their story, their experience of it. And, and I would relate to their story and I would justify what they were telling me and I could be empathetic and really listen. Right. Do you feel like if you couldn't justify them, then you couldn't be empathetic? So I am starting to wonder that. Mm-hmm. Because the way I've, I feel and approach and, and sense things differently now, right? I think that's interesting and powerful. And it's something that I think most people need to justify something to have empathy. I think that's across the board. I think that's our human condition to need to do that. I think this is the difference between people, someone like you and someone like me, is that we already had a greater capacity to give empathy to people because we could see ourselves in their shoes. And I think the fact that we see that there's a limit there, that there's that need to justify that almost in and of itself is that awareness where most people, they can't, they can't, they can't understand why someone did it. They're like, they can't even maybe get to that. And so that's, this is kind of where I feel like this is that next level living of you already had a greater capacity for empathy for people but you, you're seeing, it's almost like living in a bubble and most people can't even see that they're living in a bubble, but you can see the bubble. And now I feel like it's like, you don't like that. Like for me, I don't like, I like feeling like I'm someone who gives empathy to people, but I've noticed recently too, that like, oh, I need to have that understanding first. And if I don't, then what? And so for me, having my own life experiences, and not wanting to share them with people and feeling more guarded of it. It's because I feel like if someone can't understand it, they're not going to be empathetic or compassionate towards me. Mm. Yeah. So the other side of that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, and this, these are on my good days, right? Cause this isn't like, like (laughs) I wish I were always like this, but, but I, I at least understand the concept now or feel like I do. And so the sense that like, so I can hear someone's story, Mm -hmm. right? I can, whether it's in a, a coaching session, which is not consulting, but a coaching, a true coaching session, I can hear their story. And, and in that place, you have to turn all that off and just be present with them and go where they're going. But if I'm talking with friends or, or uh, potentially colleagues or something like that, and if someone shares a story with me of, of something that's heartbreaking for them, right? I have the ability now, I think, to be empathetic without having to justify their story. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is like, when I hear someone's story, I know that that's their expression and their experience of whatever event happened or whatever they were involved with. However, I know that there are others involved and their perception of that story is very different. And I don't have to say that the person that's talking to me, that their experience is right or true in order to express or empathize with them in that space. And so what I, what I'm, what I'm doing is just acknowledging this is their story. This is what their experience has been. And I don't have to discern if it's right or wrong. That's not my task right now. That's right? something that never should have been on us anyway. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. In a, in, yeah. In, in, in a, yeah. <laughs> in a, like the perfect world, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's been pretty interesting for me and that has changed. Um, I think it was painful to how I've gotten to that space. I would argue that you can only get to that place through pain because just for my own life and whatnot, I just, I wonder that if there is a level of awareness that it takes life. And that's why something you've said before is that every moment holds the potential for sacredness. Mm. (laughs) And that's something you've said before. I've heard you say it. And so I just feel like, you know, from a Christian perspective, you know, and, and, and people listening, you know, there's all different perspectives, but you have an opportunity when something happens, you know, to have it either draw you closer to your, your creator or further away. And so I just feel like it's in those painful moments where we really can choose to turn towards or away. And then that's why when you go through that, you can give empathy to other people because you've gone through pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think to some extent you're, you're spot on. And, and I want to be real careful to sound like I've got this whole empathy thing figured out. Cause I don't, oh, we don't. <laughs> like, totally. I make I'm judgments all the time. Like a, I'm trying to be a guide <laughs> in it. And I definitely right. don't have it figured out. Yeah. All it is, is starting the conversation. That's, yeah. that's what I, that's what I default to is like, okay, this is not figuring it out. This is yeah. opening up the conversation and sharing some of our thoughts to hopefully spark other people's thoughts. Yeah. So that piece, every moment holds the potential for sacredness. Mm-hmm. I would dare say that, I mean, if anyone ever listened while I was preaching, but years ago, I probably said it too often, mm-hmm. right? Then I had some life transitional experiences, you might say. I've realized, so it's interesting. Now I'm going to regress a little bit. So there are things that I think that we maybe perhaps that we teach our kids or we're trying to teach our kids or things that we say or statements that we make that we believe are true or hold meaning. And then all of a sudden something happens and those statements now have a deeper meaning on the other side of it. Mm. And I think this is one of those things. I've got a few of those, I think that I used to preach or teach or share with folks in leadership development within the, the church organization that now have a, it's a phrase that held meaning then and now holds a different or a sometimes deeper, but, but a different meaning now. Right. And so that's one of them. Right. And so the reality is every moment does hold the potential for sacredness. I think there's times in our lives where moments pass us by that could have been sacred. And when I say sacred, I don't mean like necessarily on a, on a strictly religious perspective, mm-hmm. but I mean just from the sense of a moment holding meaning and being significant in your life. Mm-hmm. And it might be from a conversation with someone else. It might be, you know, like meditation or prayer or out experiencing nature or, or even in a large experience with other folks or listening to a song. I mean, who knows what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is no matter what we're doing, there's the potential that a moment could hold sacredness for us, right? So, I love things that, that like are meaningful in one space and then their meaning and meaningfulness can change for you as your life experiences go on. And that's one of those phrases that's been that way for me. So I think that actually ties into a lot of what I've been talking about with storytelling, because Mm -hmm. I actually just yesterday was um, talking to a storytelling friend and I was spitballing, whatever you want to call it, brainstorming an idea of a story from my childhood that's totally stuck with me, but I hadn't figured out how to present it. And it's something that's a total shame story for me. It's like, it's one of those middle school memories, which everyone has a memory from middle school where they just feel so embarrassed and so whatnot. And my adult brain knows it's not a big deal, but my younger brain, you know, obviously it's stuck there. And so we were talking about how, when you can rewrite the story, that moment. So that moment that for me held 
such shame, instead of sweeping it under the rug and like ignoring it, there's an opportunity there that I could actually, I feel like now use it with my more mature growth to kind of flip the script a little bit on it. And so, you know, I just think even, I don't know if that's exactly it, but for me, it's just kind of not wanting to ignore those moments and kind of dive into them more. I think it gives you the hope that you can dive into those moments more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what's neat is you, you can always, we can always reflect, study, um, dive in on our experiences, right? And when we do that, the way we then frame and shape those experiences, I think are testimony to how those experiences have in essence shaped us. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me, like when I'm retelling stories of my past, like sometimes they grow a little bit, like not to where they're untrue, but they grow in like the difference in the meaning that they have for me now, as opposed to what they did right when they happened or a couple years after they happened. And so um, that's a gift to be able to, I think, uh, to be able to reflect, take the time to reflect on our, on the stories of our lives. Mm -hmm. I just think when you hear someone explore some past life experiences or they're even just their views on it, just you even throwing out that idea that every moment holds, holds the potential for sacredness. Just that line alone is something that I think you plant a seed in someone's head and that when something happens that they're not expecting, that they didn't choose, that they didn't want, having that planted in their mind that like, okay, I can use this as, you know, this, this has the potential for more, yeah. more than the surface yeah. level. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. That's really powerful. So in your life, you've obviously had um, a journey, started out in one direction, moved to another. And so how do you think you have navigated those transitions? Because just so much of life, like I said, we think we have a plan and then it gets totally flipped. What have you learned along that journey for you? Well, one of the things that's important to me and has always been, has been to be honest. Hmm. And I don't know, I, I think that probably comes from my, my upbringing and probably even from my dad. So, so here's, a, here's a funny story, I guess. So when I was in high school, I remember this vividly. I was in 10th grade. Uh, and at that time, I was in uh, GW Danville in Virginia. I didn't, gra- we moved that summer. I ended up in the, in the Valley in University of Virginia. But uh, for 10th grade year, I was at GW Danville. And uh, my dad was a pastor. He had two, two little churches there. Um, and, but I would go to youth group at a different church because they had, the excuse was because they had 20, 25 people in youth. The reality was they had 22 to 23 girls in youth and there were only like two or three of us guys. Whoa. But anyway, that was my youth group. And so I would go there on, I think, Sunday nights. And we had a really good youth group leader and everything. And, and so um, one of the things that we did as high schoolers is we always gathered in the same building, kind of in this little foyer area before school. And we prayed, which was, you know, it's kind of what we did. I never, I don't think I, I didn't do that when I transitioned to the next high school. I, I kind of left the faith for a while. But so anyway, so we're in there this one day and um, we either getting ready to pray or just finished praying. And um, somebody said, oh, why don't we skip school today? And I was like, yeah, I had never done that before, right? Yeah, let's do it. So we did. Skipped school, hung out with my girlfriend all day, watched like um, Aladdin, the cartoon Aladdin. I think we watched that like all day on repeat or something. I don't know. And um, so at that time, gosh, that would have been 93, maybe 92, 93, somewhere in there. And um, so the way that they would, tell your parents you weren't in school is they had an audio recording that would call your house, the house phone. And so I remember I was downstairs, I was in the basement of this house and I was watching the Atlanta Braves because it was TBS and you could watch. And I was a huge Braves fan back then because I was the only team you could always watch. And um, I captured the phone call. So like I got it, I was in the clear, I was golden. I had a fake note written, signed by my parents. Like I was ready to roll. My parents had already gone to bed, and I remember I went upstairs and, and woke up and said, hey, I need to tell you guys something. I told them, I said, hey, I skipped school. And um, they were kind of surprised, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't remember how they responded in that moment. But what I do remember they did was they didn't have my back for that. And so I got in-school suspension 
Like it was the first time I was ever suspended for anything. So, so, anyway, so that honesty piece has always been really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't tell the story of where it came from, but that, that shows that it, that it was meaningful to me way back in the day. And so that shows too, that from the beginning, you listen to the internal nudge you have, you know, and I think so often people shove that away. Like, cause whoever, if someone wouldn't have told their parents, they felt the guilt and they just shoved it down, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that shows from that age, if you feel that you pull it out. Yeah, perhaps. And maybe, maybe I was just responding to guilt. I don't know. I don't know. It's a guilt, a nudge or something, right? Something. So, <laughs> so I went through that. And so um, when I kind of went through my life transformational event, I guess we could call it for now, for lack of better words. Um, I was, I was honest uh, with the folks that it, that it affected. Mm-hmm. And, um, so one of the things that I learned, which was interesting, um, I was surprised at the people. I didn't need folks to stand by me, mm-hmm. right? Or to tell me that I was right or to tell me that I was wrong. But the folks, if you would have told me before everything that I experienced said, Hey, Ed, you're going to go through something in a few years. You're not going to remember this conversation. In a few years, you're going to go through something. Mm. Who are the folks that are going to stand by you throughout this? And I would have gotten the answers to that question. Absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. Which was surprising to me. However, the other side of that is also true. I was incredibly surprised by the folks that sought me out and came to me and um, nourished me, I guess would be the right word that walked beside me when I was going through some really difficult times. And I think that that piece right there is probably what influenced my thinking the strongest on this whole empathy thing. Exactly. And that's why I think, I think that we have to really walk through some fire for that click. And maybe you don't have to, listeners, you, um, because we are sharing it now. Um, But I know for me, I thought if I listened to people's stories that I would get it, you know, and um, that's just not how it works. But I think that that's one, I have to commend you on your bravery for your honesty because so much that we talk about with vulnerability, it's linked to courage. Courage and vulnerability are the same things. And that's why with being honest, um, it's scary. It's scary because then you're putting yourself out there. And But having you experience that you didn't, I'm, I'm really glad you said what you said. You didn't need people to tell you you were right or wrong. You just needed empathy, which I think, I think the aha moment of realizing that you can give people empathy without understanding or agreeing with them is huge. Yeah. Because a lot of times people say like, well, I need to speak truth. Yeah. But I think there's a time for that. And there's a time just for empathy. And by you sharing that, such a gift to give to others. To, and then also to be that person, to be that safe place that whether it's personally or professionally, that people know, okay, I can go to him because he is going to be that empathetic person. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a huge gift that you can give. And then by willing to come on and share, I appreciate that because that serves as a way for other people to listen into our conversation and to take that away from them. That if all you leave with is knowing that if someone opens up their heart to you, you don't have to agree with them to show them empathy. I think it's huge. Yeah, it, it changes um, how you see people. At least it has for me. It's changed how I see and how I experience people. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me more about that. I mean, I have my beliefs, right? And things that I think are right and things that I think are wrong. But I can, in some cases, not all cases, and I'm trying to think of a good example this moment, but... Um, I guess it's maybe it's easiest on the on the political side mm-hmm. because that's such an obvious thing these days, right? Like I have some pretty strong beliefs <laughs> or ways that I think 
the world should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are folks that see that very differently from their um, political view. And the reality is they're not bad people because of that. Right. They're there because of their experiences and their understanding. And I'm where I am from my experiences and my understanding. And so they don't have to see the world as I see it, <laughs> like just period. And that goes, that then goes across for me in a lot of ways, at least in a socioeconomic um, sense, like some of that, like that stuff matters, mm-hmm. but for a relationship with someone else, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Where I do start to get hard and draw on the line is when other, when other persons are being hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where I have a hard time with it. Yeah. I remember in in high school having some pretty strong beliefs about things that I feel very differently about now. And I was not shy to share those things. I would dare say that I hurt some folks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I feel just as strongly on the other side of that issue now, Mm. but I wouldn't blast or yell or share it in the same way at all for not wanting to, to cause harm to others. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does in my mind. (laughs) Well, actually, no, I was just thinking that once again, this goes back to kind of having some bravery to rethink your thoughts because how often do we think something? And if we feel that nudge to change, you lock it down because you don't want to have to face the fact that you don't agree with your old thoughts. So it's just better to stay the course Um, which could be a good or bad thing. But um, I think though, the fact that you've made that change, I think that's what makes you able to empathize with people more because you've seen that you've had a change of thoughts. And so if someone thinks differently than you do, you can know I've thought differently too. So I've been in their shoes and I know that they're not bad. I know that they're, I know that their heart is good, that they're coming from a good place. We just see this differently. So yeah. You're using a lot of nice words to describe me. I really appreciate it. If nothing else, you've boosted my own self-confidence during this time. Good. Saying I'm, I'm brave and all that stuff. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Well, I, I know from experience that we're very hard on ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. I think just humans in general and uh, selfishly, I was sharing earlier that, um, you know, for me, just with my whole journey, journey, that's when I, my bachelor watching comes out. Um, I, I feel like I can hear people talk about me from the public sense. And what I think in my mind is, well, you don't know the private part. Like you don't know that you see this as good, but I actually see that as bad because I'm only doing X amount when I should be doing Y amount, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just think that, I don't know. I think, I don't know if it's human nature or something that we just kind of belittle ourselves sometimes. And, but that's why it goes back to when you share your story, you allow other people to give a perspective on it that you don't normally do It's because you've lived it. And like you said, you know how you were in that time. I I think um, you talked about when you were honest, when you went through your change and I would imagine there was a lot of emotions wrapped around it. So honesty, being honest, didn't feel like, oh, I'm being so brave. I'm being honest. That just felt like the right thing to do to you. But now that we can look back and you can look back, you can maybe feel better about, you know what? It was, it was a bad, like a hard situation I was in, but I tried my best. And, um, and then I can look at, you know, I can hear you and say like, that was really brave. For me, I think of when I moved to New Jersey after college, And I would tell people that. And a woman, actually, a friend of mine recently said, I was so inspired when you said you moved to New Jersey because I I slept on my friend's couch and da, da, da. And to her, this story that I told was this like raw, raw, you know, inspirational story. And I was like, when I told it, I was talking about that I was a hot mess and that I slept on someone's couch. And because my internal dialogue was I was a loser because I was doing just like what seemed right at the time, like, oh, this made sense. And so I did it. And um, it was just amazing to kind of then look back and be like, what, brave? Huh, I never would have thought of that because it just felt like the right thing to do. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a, uh, 
it was a very difficult and painful time for me, but also for others. Mm-hmm. And um, I did break a sacred trust mm-hmm. with regards to uh, my family at the time, in regards to my congregation and my vocation. And there were ripple effects and possibly, I would dare say, are ripple effects even now that I simply don't know about. But you're showing up. You are showing up. And that's huge because you're not the only person who's made a mistake, if I can call it a mistake, you know, with your situation. The thing that comes to my head, uh, having my own life experiences, sitting with friends through theirs, a question that pops in my brain, has popped in my own head, has popped in other people's head is, how do you come back from this? Can I come back from this? Can we come back from this? So by showing up, you can come back from it. So I'm not going to answer it the way you asked it. (laughs) You answer it any way you want. (laughs) Because what I heard was, can you come back from this? And... So when, and maybe you didn't mean this, so, but when I hear the word come back, I hear kind of come back to what you were before mm. in some sense. Yeah, and, no. and so for me, I think it more as a, um, I don't know if evolution is the right word. You certainly do. You have the opportunity to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. And you have the opportunity to become or reimagine something new. And so part of what drives me now with in working with individuals and organizations is, you know, I joke with folks and part of it's to cover up the pain. I think I say, Hey, you know, I got to start my life over at like 40, (laughs) which I did in essence, but it was a hard way to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I had been more intentional to my personal life, Mm-hmm. in my inner life mm-hmm. that I would have been aware that my life needed to be different. Mm-hmm. And so part of what drives me now is wanting to support and be a part of person's lives in such a way so that they can pay attention and be intentional about the way that they're living or be intentional about the leadership they're providing to others <clears throat> so that if they are in a place where changes need to be made if they are significant they can they can plan those things out right Mm -hmm. so for me i felt like i blew up my whole life (laughs) Mm -hmm. like all of it in fact i remember talking to someone um after the fact shortly after the fact and um she was she was and still is a mentor of mine in many ways and and, um she she would call me e and uh she said well e (laughs) I knew you felt a little challenged and constricted in your vocation, but I didn't realize how challenged and constricted you were feeling in your marriage, but you figured out a way to change both of them. (laughs) And that was a interesting perspective on it because there was some authenticity to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can't help, you know, we can always wonder. And, And so here's the tricky part, the way things happened in my life, are not the right way for changes to happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was not a sacred way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, um, it was painful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so what's hard is from where I sit right now, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple things I would like to be different, right? Like I'd like to have my kids all the time, mm-hmm. you know? But from where I sit now, from the relationships that I have now, from the relationships that are rebuilding, mm-hmm. um, like with some of my um, extended family and friends, like that stuff is sacred, mm-hmm. you know? And so the hard part, one of the challenging pieces for me, and, I, and I've talked with, with a few folks about this, is how do I share my story, my experience in such a way so that I don't justify the story of how I got to where I am. Mm-hmm. And so that is, that's still a growing edge for me mm-hmm. and still something I'm trying to sort out, but I am hanging on to those things that I feel like I've learned. And so it was really painful for me. 
and I'll, I'll share some of those pieces here in just a moment, but I, I want to give the caveat that I know the pain that I experienced through it. There's a lot of people's pain. I don't know what their pain level was or what their experience was, but I know that it was painful. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I share mine, not to say that mine was the right pain or the only pain. Like I just, I can share mine because I know mine. Right. So I remember um, this happened in the summer of 2015. And so I remember in the denomination I was a part of, I had, I held on to my, my ordination and I held on to my belonging within the conference that I was a part of, even though I was out of my church immediately, which was the right thing. And I held on to those as long as I could for health insurance purposes for, for my family. But I remember mailing those things back in. And for me, the journey for that was like a 10 year journey, mm. <laughs> like between education and all the different processes and experiences or whatnot. Um, I remember going on job interviews. I hadn't been on a job interview in like, gosh, since 2002, I think. So it was in like 13, 14 years. And I was going into these interviews and trying to relate the experience I had had in the church and how it was meaningful in this organization. And I was having a really difficult time at that time doing that. And so I ended up interviewing at places that were places where you start off, right? And so I had been in banking before, so I interviewed with a couple of banks. Um, the first place I got hired onto was UPS. And so I was a seasonal driver for UPS. And I never, ever had the experience before of a Monday to Friday, check in, check out, like a, mecha a mechanistic system, mm -hmm. right? And so I went through the orientation there and I drove the UPS truck and I made deliveries and whatnot. And I loved it because of the physical nature of it and the mindless nature of it in some sense, but the hours were tough and hard. And I remember on my way to the, um, to go to work one day, I got a phone call and it was from one of the banks I'd interviewed and I was so happy. Oh, please, 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 please hire me. And he said, no, we're, we're going, moving on to someone else. And I was devastated. And then I got on with another bank and it's interesting, you know, the, there's places that become like these places of like, they are our promised land to use biblical examples. Right. And so like, I'm thinking back to the story of the, um, the Israelites and when uh, they, the big famine, you know, and they went and they got food and all this stuff, but then uh, to Egypt, like Egypt was like the place, like that was their saving space. And then after years, it was the place of persecution. Right. And so for me, like this position, this opportunity to bank, that was my saving space. Like I had regular income, I had a job in a quote office environment, you know, all this stuff, but Sam, that was so hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there was a person hired with me and she was fantastic. So I remember the first day of orientation, we're introducing ourselves and we found out we we're at the same branch. It's like, my name is such and such. I'm 21 years old and I'm happily married. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my name's Ed and I just turned 39 yesterday or tomorrow or something. I don't even know what it was. And um, it's like this vast life experience difference. And, and so it was very, very hard for me and humbling for me in a lot of ways. And that place, I mean, that, that bank, that institution served me well. I think I ended up staying there maybe a total of three years. Mm -hmm. um, I transitioned to, to another position. I was in that one position for one year. And Sam, that was the hardest year of my life. Mm. And I think a lot of the reasons that it was hard was probably because of my pride and my ego. Mm. Pride and ego. So I have those... I think I was talking about things that I remember, right? So I remember that. Um, so you were talking about like, so my question about, mm -hmm. you know, can you come back from this? Mm -hmm. I think that when anyone's life, um, I usually use the term like when it's the fan, mm -hmm. can you come back from this? And you said you're going to answer it differently. Mm -hmm. But I think you answered it spot on, which is you can come back from it, but it's a new it's a new creation. Uh, and, and to use a, um, you know, a cliche type of uh, example, it, I just, as you were talking, I was thinking about the butterfly 
and the caterpillar and that, you know, you're in that cocoon and the caterpillar cannot come out a caterpillar, but right. the butterfly, that transition isn't pretty. And um, I think our pastor is the one who had a, at a, the children's time talked about, you know, the butterfly needs to fight to get out of that cocoon. If you help it, if you open it up, their wings aren't going to develop and everything. And so when you said, you know, I was thinking of this, this example in my head when you said that year was the hardest year of my life. That was that fight. And that was, and then when you, with the stripping of the pride and the ego, I mean, that's what's, that's what's like, it's the opportunity. And I, and Jeremy and I have a joke, like, thank you God for the opportunity like so as stuff hits the fan and we are struggling like when when those feelings come and it is like i want to shut down i want to run it it is now like it's a code word of thank you god for the opportunity mm -hmm. because we know that like this is that moment where we could lean in and grow and create a new normal or we could just give up and it's for nothing yeah that chrysalis experience mhm mm yeah so why share? So I let you guide the conversation today mm -hmm. and to share as much as you wanted to. You know, I talk a lot about being open and vulnerable and that, you know, but with boundaries, that's important. And I think that you're very good at that. But you didn't have to share any of your story at all today, you know, um, or with any, and I, I just say today, but meaning in general, you can work with people and you can present yourself as this certain image. So why is it important for you to share your story? Yeah, so I think with working with folks, like I don't, I don't go in with this in organizations or go in with this with my coaching clients. Um, I share a little bit um, on my website, kind of my own personal journey, but not as much. So, so I believe that all of our stories are interconnected in one way, shape, or form. And maybe it's an intersection, maybe it's a tangent, maybe it's even from like a different dimension or angle, right? I also believe that none of us have the exact same story. Our experience, I mean, someone could have gone through the exact same experience that I went through, but their, the way that they translate it, the way they understand it, the way they reflect on it, the way it holds meaning or doesn't hold meaning or like all it, like it's different, right? but there's opportunities for us to learn from other people's stories. And so I think I was talking about earlier about folks that I um, was surprised by that came beside and walked by me. There was a couple that I knew, but that I did not know personally per se. And I had a friend put me in contact with him. And I remember talking with him and I remember him sharing with me his story. And I had no idea. And his story was different, but there were some intersections. And hearing his story and knowing that he made it to this other side, right, was something that gave me significant strength to persevere. I had another dear friend who's like a, he's almost like a father figure to me. And I shared with him what happened. And then he shared his story. <laughs> I had no idea what he had been through. And so seeing these other individuals that I respected, like they were able to walk with me because they had been through some of those things themselves. Mm -hmm. And so my hope, so my, my thing is whether I do it well or not is I really like to support folks. And I love it when folks have these aha moments or these realizations or learn something about themselves that empowers them to do X, right? And so if sharing my story, pieces of it here and pieces of it there or whatever, if it enables others to discover something about themselves and then make the changes that they need to make or get the courage they need or, I mean, shit, even if it just makes them laugh, right? Like, huh, I'm happy because <laughs> that's or made a difference life. in their lives. <laughs> or in my life, yeah. yeah. So, um I think you brought up a really, really good point, which is that I want to pull out is that when you shared your story, when you were willing to put yourself out there, other people then shared their story. And it kind of goes to show that we don't need to walk around sharing our stories, you know, like a poster of like, here's all the stuff I've been through because that goes back to boundaries and appropriate mm -hmm. sharing. So I don't want people to miss 
that part of your story, which is if someone opens up their heart to you and you have something you can share to them, what a gift, what a gift those people, your mentors and friends gave you by sharing parts of their story. So if someone opens up to you and you have parts to share, I think sometimes people think, oh, if I share mine, it's taken away from theirs where no, that's building the connection. I think that's huge. And I think too, with your leadership, being able to know that there's more to the story than the surface level is I think what enables you to be a great formerly pastor, a friend, a leadership coach. And that's something that whether people work with you or that they can take away from just in their own life, just knowing that like what you see, there's a lot under there and that your job as a coach is to help pull that out. And I think that's a really good gift you can give people. And so, and like I said, and just a takeaway, just knowing that we can also try to do that for people in our life too. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, um, yeah. That's a good summary and reflection on that. I think for sure. What's your final takeaway for people that maybe are struggling with um, figuring out, do I need a coach or not? Because I feel like through our mm. conversation today, we have kind of peeled back some layers. And, and mm. part of what I love doing is that whole onion analogy and kind of start to peel back the layers. And by bringing people on like you, I feel like I am helping to start conversations, uh, start you know, thoughts and things like that, and then to figure out what direction people need to go in. So how do people know if a business coach would be a direction they need to go in. Yeah. So a connection that I made uh, during our time together today was uh, when I said earlier, and and then you repeated it, which is why I got, but I needed folks to walk beside me. Mm. Right. And so a a coach and the type of coaching that I do is walking beside folks. Mm. And, and I, I think that's what's attracted me and drawn me to this now, which I didn't realize till just now. So from that sense, coaching, you know, it's not a, um, it's not a consultant. So I don't come in and you tell me your situation and then I write you a prescription of how to fix it or what I think would fix it. Right. And I'm not coming in as a mentor. So I'm not coming in saying, Hey, I've been where you are before. Let me tell you how I got through it. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, those are all meaningful things and we need those sorts of folks in our lives, but that's not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not a, not a therapist, right? Like I'm not looking back at your, your back history and, and trying to figure out certain things about that or prescribing medications or, or anything like that. Right. And so from a coaching perspective, imagine you're, um, you're on a path. Okay. And you don't know where it's going to go. And so a coach comes beside you and the coach doesn't know where it's going to go either. But the coach comes aside, you kind of puts their, their arm on your shoulders, you know, and says, hey, we're going to walk this path together. And so my opportunity in working with folks is to help them discover the things about themselves so they can then make the decisions they need to make. And so that comes back to this piece of not telling folks that they're right or that they're wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. It comes back to this piece of not directing where they need to go or saying, oh, here's my story. Take this. This is going to fix it. Right. It's just walking beside somebody. And so from a professional perspective, um, I've helped clients where they have a dramatic shift in their responsibilities. And so perhaps they've gone from um, being an individual contributor and then now all of a sudden they're leading a team, which is a very different experience. They were an expert before and now they've got to work with people and how do I do that? Right. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with folks in those areas. Um, I've also worked with folks that feel stuck in their career or kind of stuck in what they're doing and trying to like, where's the passion in this? What, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Do I need to be doing something different? Trying to sort those things out. Um, and then I've also even supported folks uh, personally, uh, with coaching, which sometimes gets more to a life coach, which I am not, <laughs> I'm really a, a leadership, uh, leadership coach and really um, support folks in the midst of these transitions and changes. And so from a personal level, folks are trying to make um, significant uh, life decisions, if you will, that may involve career as well as family or all those sorts of things. So um, that's from the the coaching piece that I get to do. So I think I kind of got lost in your question and and rambling on myself because I like to hear myself talk every now and then. Um, Yeah, but I think I, I think I hit it what you were trying to figure out. 
No, that was great. I love the just simple analogy of walking beside people, not being someone who's directing their path, um, but helping just walk through it. Cause that's, I think what we need in life and um, you know, having someone to help give you some, some guided, uh, not just someone to walk beside you, but someone that has good insight from a professional standpoint, you know, with training leader and then has the tools available to kind of work through some of this stuff. I think that's really important. So I like that. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's really about it. It's, it's so I, my, I have to ask the right questions. <laughs> and so when I'm working with someone, it's all about asking questions the right questions mm -hmm. so that they can discover things. Right. And I'll make observations and sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong, but an observation is just placed out there. It's not something that I'm tied to. I haven't, I don't justify it. It's like, Hey, I think I'm hearing this. Is that right? You know, mm -hmm. so things like that. Um, and then I have resources and tools, obviously that I'll pull in, you know, kind of assessment type stuff for folks that they can do. And then we'll coach around that and things like that. But it's a lot of fun when I get to do it, when I get to work with folks and, um, it's hard work, you know, it's hard I, work for folks to do that. I will change it to this, to simplify it. It is having a skilled and trained professional to walk beside you. Mm, there you go. Roger that. Well, thank you, Ed. I appreciate your willingness to come on. And uh, I think that when people just understand, you know, so often we see people as their title, we see them, you know, just a surface level. And I think, digging deeper. It just really not only helps other people connect with you personally, but hopefully connect with themselves and with other people in their life. And so I appreciate you taking the time to share so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you having me on here. Enjoy it. Now people Enjoy want to get in touch with you. Where can they get in touch with you, Ed? Yeah. Uh, so we've got web uh, website craftedcoach.com or it's real simple, just ed at craftedcoach.com. So. Perfect. Well, thank you enough. so much. Yeah forward to staying in touch and uh, continuing to craft the conversations together. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by TwinMusicom.org. Song titled, Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, M&M Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.